Great to have you guys here today, and uh, thank you, Sam, for that presentation. Thank you guys for uh, worshiping with us at our very first Christmas service here at Revolution Church. Come on, come on, come on. Um, just wanted to take off from what uh, Sam uh, did in his little presentation, and, uh, and how many of you would agree with me? There's always two ways to see something, right? Are you guys tracking with me? And so I want to read the scripture in Luke chapter 2 before we pray, because it is the Christmas uh, scripture that we always talk about. And so Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, it says this. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. How many of you would be greatly afraid if you were out in the field and suddenly you just saw this majestic angel out there, right? And so they were afraid. Then the angel had to calm and said, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day. Somebody shout this day. Come on. There's born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly, there was with the angel, with this one angel, a multitude, the Greek says thousands upon thousands upon thousands of the heavenly host praising God and saying this. This is awesome. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. This is an amazing announcement that was made about 2,000 years ago. Peace on earth. Why was that so important? We talked about that last week. Because men didn't have peace up at this time. Men didn't have peace with themselves. Men didn't have peace with God. Men didn't have peace with the universe. But this, these angels were announcing as a result of the birth of Jesus, you and I now could have peace. And if you want to know more about that, I would listen to the message from last week. But today, I want to talk about the last part of this message because I really believe it's going to be an eye-opener for us today, especially going into the holiday season today. He said, peace on earth and goodwill towards all men. What does goodwill mean? Goodwill means this, ready? It means God being good to you. And let that sink in. It means God being good to you. All right, so do me a great big favor. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, has he been good to you lately? Come on, find somebody. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. Come on, find somebody else. Tell them, has he been good to you lately? All right? All right. Now let's pray. Let's have a prayer. <laughs> Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the privilege, Lord God, to be able to share in your word, to be able to worship and to be able to celebrate your birth. Lord, we're just so grateful that we get an opportunity to be able to do this. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to me today. I ask for the ears to be open and the hearers here, Lord God, to receive the things that I believe that you have for them today. Help us to go to another level, Lord, in our thinking. Help us to go to another level of change. Help us to go to another level of understanding of what you want to do in our life. And I pray, Lord God, that all hindrances would be removed. I pray, Heavenly Father, that there will be an openness in the heavens to receive what you have for us here today. And if you believe that, everybody said... Amen. All right. So, how many of you, how many of you like eggnog? 
All right, okay. All right, how many of you, how many of you actually like um, the southern comfort style eggnog, okay? I think this one's got a little spice in it, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I gave it to Dan earlier, so you never know what'll happen and Dan gets his hands on this, all right? So, so eggnog, eggnog's amazing. I'm not a big eggnog um, person, but I want to just share with you guys and do a little illustration this morning because it was like in Sam's presentation. How many of you realize and agree with me that there are two ways to see something, right? Amen. Okay, so you got that. And there's always two ways to see an illustration or two ways to see something. So today, while we have a little bit of eggnog here, I want to pour some in this glass here and keeping in mind that there's two ways to see something, all right? So, man, he must have laced this with something special. I can smell that. All right, so two ways to see this. Move this out of the way here for you. All right. So let me ask you this question. How do you see this glass? Do you see it half full or do you see it half empty? All right. Where's all the half fullers? Come on. Look at all you guys. I can see Devin's back over. He's got his hand on his chin. What do I really? I think he's actually thinking he wants to taste some of this after the service is what he's really thinking. All right, so where's all the half-fullers? Come on. All right, now where's all the half-emptiers? Okay, now here's what I know. This church is a church full of liars this morning. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because psychologists say, listen to this, and the Pew Research uh, study was done about this, that two-thirds of people in a church service see the glass half-empty. So are you trying to say you're better than two-thirds of the church across the world? So what's happening is that you weren't honest with yourself in here today because you knew the question I was going to ask you. I'm not going to put my hand up there and be half emptier. Come on. All right, so the truth of the matter is there's two ways to look at something. Psychologists tell us that when you see this glass half full, that you will tend to live your life a little more optimistic. But if you see this glass half empty, you'll tend to live your life a little more pessimistic, okay? So I'm going to ask that question one more time. Where's all the optimistic people in this room here today? Come on. Our hands down. Where's all the pessimistic people in this room here today? Come on. God bless you guys, man. All right, all right. So we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about what this actually means because you can measure, you can measure the way you see the promises of God based on how you see life. If you see life optimistically, you'll see the promises of God one way. If you see the promises of God pessimistically, then it's on the other side. Are you tracking with me? And the way you can really tell um, where you are, if you really, you know, are testing whether you're optimistic or pessimistic with how you look at if the glass is half full or half empty, remember two ways of looking at something? The way you can really tell, here's the litmus test, ready? Is the way you look at your gas tank in your car. That's how you can tell, okay? Everybody smile, I can see it now, okay? Because here's where it really comes out, okay? If, if, if you see the gas tank half empty, all right, how do you react? That's one way. Or if you see the gas tank half full, how do you react? So now I'll ask this question, okay? Where are all the people that you're totally okay with your gas tank half full, maybe just a little bit below half full? Where's all the people? All right. Okay. Hands down. All right. 
All right, now where's all the people that it starts tracking at half empty, and all of a sudden you're just like, uh, I, I, I need to do something about this. Come on. Where's all the hands? Come on, come on. I, I'm going to see them nice and high. Come on, look around. See, the truth is now starting to come out. You see? Oh, don't you just love when the pastor does this? This is amazing. You just fell right into my eggnog. Did you see that? <laughs> all right. All right, so here's the deal. There are people in this room who I know, I know you personally, and as soon as that gas tank hits mid-level, I see sweat balls, and, and some of them are in my family, and they shall remain nameless in this room here today, okay? Then there's somebody in my family who sees the tank half full and just like, woohoo, we got to party, all right? And there's somebody in, this, in, in, in my family <laughs> when the needle gets to empty, they're still, woohoo, come on. How many know what I'm talking about, all right? This person in my family who shall remain nameless, all right, is like, listen, you can go another 10 miles on fumes. What you all complaining about? Woohoo! God is good. Come on. How you see the promises of God, how you see God being good to you personally, whether you see it from here or whether you see it from here, will make all the difference in the world. Are you guys with me? Now turn to the person next to you and tell them, has he been good to you lately? Come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, so, so now I want you to hear this. When you hear me say this, because here at Revolution Church, we believe that God is a good God. We believe that God has a good plan for you. We believe that God is on your side. We believe that God is not holding things against you. We believe that the God of peace now lives inside of us. We believe that we have peace with God, that we can go to the throne of grace with God now, not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that Jesus has done, right? That's why this announcement that day was so important because it was the announcement that a new day was coming, a new opportunity was coming, that God was promising to be good to us. They didn't have that promise in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was, 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 was written in rules and regulations and temple worship and, and, and all these blood sacrifices. And we've talked a lot about that last week. So that's all they knew. So these shepherds are out here. They hear this announcement. God is going to be good to you now. They're just like, for real? How you see that statement or how you hear that statement, is God really good to me, will completely depend how you receive it if you hear it from here or you hear it from here. Are you with me? Is God really good? Is he really for me? Is he really, does he, does he really have a good plan for my life? Does he really have a, a, a plan for my family? Does he, is he really, does he really get involved in my career, my school choices, my friend group? Does God really get involved in those things? If you see it from here, it's a resounding yes and amen. If you see it from here, half empty, you will sit here, hear that God wants to be good to you with your arms folded and say, prove it to me. And I want you to know, he already proved it 2,000 years ago when he sent Jesus Christ in that stable. Come on, somebody. All right, so I want you to, I want to read this scripture. I want to read this scripture to you because I believe it's a game changer. All right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. For we are his workmanship. We are God's workmanship. We don't understand this as much, but you have to get, this, get a hold of this. We are 
his creation. Look at this. We are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Isn't that amazing? I know sometimes we don't feel like we're a work of art, but God says you are a work of art. Are you guys hearing this today? Hey, do me a great big favor. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, see, I told you God gave you that nose. Come on, tell them, tell them, tell them. <laughs> Stop complaining about it, and you can save yourself a lot of money. Keep the nose you have. Come on. God did that for you. All right. For we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed and renewed, ready to be used. I love this. Ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them. I love this last part. Ready? Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. This is God's desire to be good to us. Come on, are you getting this? He said this. He said this. And, and the reason why this is such an outstanding promise is because you don't find promises like this in the Old Testament. It's new. When he made that announcement, when the angels made that announcement that day, it was a game changer. Because up to that point, they didn't know God being good to us. There weren't messages like God is good all the time. There weren't things like that or that God is really for you. And if God is for you and you're the only person alone, then you're still a majority. There was, there was never a statement like that. In the Old Testament, in that old life, it was always a guessing game. It was always, is God for me? Is God not for me? Sin had entered the world through Adam's fall. And that's what was, was the guiding factor for the whole Old Testament. And that day, when Jesus showed up in that manger, when his birth was the announcement of a game changer, not only could you and I experience the peace that passes all understanding. I'm not talking about a peace that's like you're floating on a beach someplace without a problem. I'm talking about peace that only God can give you in the middle of a storm. Come on. And goodness of God, that despite what you're going through, despite your current situation, that God can still be good to you. How many of that's good news? Come on. That's an amazing announcement that was made. All right, so what happens is when, you, when, we, when we hear stuff like this, especially if, if we have trouble in our life, and I'm not, to, I'm not suggesting that we don't have trouble. I'm suggesting today that all of us have trouble, all right? Jesus said, we said this last week, in the world you're going to have tribulation. How many know there's some tribulation in the world today, right? How many know there's trouble all around? How many know we live in probably the craziest time in the history of mankind? Come on. All right, so we live in a crazy time right now, okay? So I'm not saying that our life is going to be absent of trouble or our life is going to be absent of storms. All of us go through storms. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now. Maybe you got an issue going on at work. You don't get along with your boss. Or maybe it's the storm of um, not enough money is coming in to pay the bills. Maybe you're in a marriage storm. Maybe, maybe your marriage is troubled right now and you don't know the next steps that you're going to take for your marriage. Maybe you're in a family storm. Maybe you're dealing with such a severe case of rejection that you don't know how to have a relationship with somebody. Maybe there's that kind of a storm in your life. But here's the good news. If today, our challenge today, if we can see the promises of God from here, I believe that you can experience the goodness of God and the peace of God in the middle of your storm. Come on, are you with me today? That's the whole purpose of this here, all right? So I want to share with you guys in a short message today 
what, I, what I've identified as the top three things that the enemy wants us to do, because I believe this is all in my heart. I believe the enemy wants us to live our life at the promises of God from here. And I believe God has ordained that we would live in the promises of God from here. It is a game changer. Are you with me? And so three things that I, I've, I've identified, even in my own personal life, as I started thinking about, you know, um, what are the things that I struggled with or what are the things that, that people struggle with when, when it comes to seeing life from the glass half empty or seeing life with a glass half full? And here's the first thing that I think the enemy, and I'm, again, the enemy wants us to stay in this half empty place. He wants us to have our arms folded, be skeptical, be pessimistic, about life, okay? And I'm telling you, God's come to give us life and life more abundant. He wants us to do it altogether different, okay? All right, so the first thing I've identified is that, is that this, is that when people hear this, the enemy wants us to think, okay, as we see the glass half empty, as we hear God wants to be good to you, here's one of the traps. Yeah, I believe God is good, and I believe God is good to people, but I just don't believe he's good to me. I don't believe I've seen that in my life. My life's a wreck. I've seen things topsy-turvy. I've seen things upside down in my life. I see things that, that aren't working in my life. And so here's the deal. I can see, I can see God being good in Dan's life. I mean, look at that red jacket that he's got, man. Did you see his family today? This is his wife singing up on the stage. She sings like an angel. And his kids, look at them, man. He goes to all their baseball games, all their football games. That, that family is amazing. I could never have a family. He's laughing because we all know the, we all know the undercurrent, right? Okay, but what we do is we see that and we say, see, God's not good to me like that. Oh, no. Oh, look at Jason. Jason. Jason is always just so full of life. He's got so much energy. He's always so positive. I see God always working in Jason's life. I'm just a downer. I don't, I, just, just no, I don't think God works in my life like that. We see it working for somebody. Then there's Pastor Dino. Oh, my gosh. He's got a marriage made in heaven. Oh, my gosh. Well, the wife who sees the gas tank, half full. Come on. Oh, did I just say that? Did I just let that out? And he's got these three beautiful daughters. I hear they're half angels. Help me out, somebody. <laughs> now you know, if you were here last week, how many here last week? Come on. Yeah, you know. You know. And here's the deal. I think the biggest culprit is Facebook or Instagram. You see, oh, look at that. Look at that wonderful family picture. They didn't tell you all the cussing and all the fighting and all the wrangling that went on to get that picture, right? Dan was telling us in a huddle about some of the challenges they had coming to church, telling the little ones, you got to dress up for church today. I don't ever dress up for church, but it's Christmas. Come on, right? All right, so biggest lie. Oh, God's good. I, I believe that, but it's just not good to me. I see him good to everybody. I think this promise is for everybody else, but not for me. Second thing that I've, I've watched, uh, I think the enemy does is, is that somehow he's been really successful at getting us to see that somehow the situation that we're in, the current trouble, the current lack of breakthrough, the current lack of peace, or the current lack of, uh, of money, whatever situation, it's in, you know, somehow he's been really good at getting us to think that we deserve that plight. We deserve this. 
Somehow in your life, somewhere, you deserve this lack of joy. You deserve this lack of breakthrough. You deserve this lack of having a fulfilling relationship. You deserve this. You deserve this because somehow you didn't pray enough. Somehow you didn't serve enough. Somehow you weren't a good person enough. And then you keep driving by all those people and just being so mean and cutting them off and you're going to the store just being mean. Somehow you deserve this life that you have. I want you to know that is a tremendous lie. Somehow he gets you to think you deserve. And here's the third thing, all right, that I find that, that, that if we, we see the promises of God half full or half empty, and the enemy wants us to see this one, this is probably the biggest one, is somehow I am a product of the choices that I've made, and that's the reason why my life stinks. This is for every, this promise, God being good, is for everybody else. Oh, somehow... No, God wants to be good to me. No, somehow it can't be for me because I deserve this life that I have right now. Or, you know, somehow it doesn't matter because I have made bad choices all of my life. And as a result of making all those bad choices all my life, this promise of God being good to me cannot apply. I have good news for you today, guys. God has been good to us even before we know he was good or we knew he was good to us. He was already operating in goodness towards us, whether we realize this or not. I, got a, I have some more good news for you today. Ready? If God, if Jesus could only be good to us and God could only be good to us because we all made good choices, I'm going to tell you right now, not one person in this room would enjoy the goodness of God. Come on. I have found out that he is not only good because of the good choices we make, but he is good because of the bad choices that we make. You know why? Because he's God and we're not. He is the author of being good. You can't change that. In fact, it was as if he was caged up for, for 6,000 years when man sinned, for 4,000 years when man sinned. It was like he was bound up. He was caged. He wanted to be good, but sin separated us. That's the reason why all of the angels showed up that day to make this amazing announcement. The announcement was that peace is coming, man. Goodness of God is coming. The Lord God who created us, our work, the one who made us, who created us in his image, he was stepping back on the scene to allow us to live in peace and allow us to live in his goodness. And this was why Jesus came. It was a game changer, an absolute game changer. And so if you hear what I'm saying today from a place of being half empty, you will leave here today Hearing promises of God to help change us, mold us, shape us, help us to succeed in life, take a step into a dream, a vision, a purpose, step out and do something significant with our life, or we're just going to let these words just fall off us and say, this is for somebody else, or I don't deserve that, or product of my choices just will not allow me to experience the goodness of God. Don't be here today and experience. Don't allow the enemy to trick you into living your life this way. Are you guys with me? Amen. Don't allow the enemy to allow you to live or to see your life 
skeptical, see your life less optimistic when the creator of the universe is here, when Jesus is here, God sent his son to die for us so that we could come into relationship with him, not apart from anything that we do. See, in the Old Testament, you had to earn your way with God. You had to earn your relationship with God. In the New Testament, because of the birth of Jesus, we get to receive a relationship with God. Isn't that awesome? That's the reason why he was a gift. If you had to earn it, it's not a gift. But Jesus is the greatest gift ever given to mankind. You don't have to earn this gift. All right, so what I want to do with you in the short little time that I have left with you, okay, is this. So just like the enemy wants you to live your life in this half, uh, half full mentality, okay? And here's the trap. When you live your life in a half full mentality and he can get you to convince yourself that you deserve this or you're proud of your bad choices or this is for somebody else, what happens is he has succeeded at getting us to see ourselves and be self-conscious instead of being Christ-conscious. When we see what he's done for us, when we hear the promises of God are for us today, when we really believe we are his workmanship, when we really believe that he wants to be good to us, when we really believe that we do have peace, we become more Jesus-conscious and less self-conscious. Come on, are you with me? And the enemy wants us to be self-conscious. He wants us to focus on our failures. He wants us to focus on our shortcomings. He wants us to focus on all of the things that we do wrong. Then he wants us to focus on all the things that other people do wrong. Can you see this vicious cycle? But God says, I've come to break that cycle. I've come to give you life and life more abundant. That even in the midst of your crazy, even in the midst of your hurt, even in the midst of your pain, I can turn this thing around and give you something beautiful. Come on, anybody want to walk in the beautiful promises of God in this room here today? That's why he came. That's why he came. All right, so let's talk about three things that I believe if you settle this, three things that can help you cultivate seeing your life in the goodness of God the way God wants you to see it, all right? You ready? The first one is this, all right? And it's kind of simple. It's, 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 it's one of the core messages of our life and our ministry. It's one of the core things that have changed our life forever. And that's the first thing is this, is that you have to believe for yourself personally, personally, that God loves you. Personally. It's got to become real. It has to become Look at the scripture it says here. It says here in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3. I want to read this slowly because I want you to see this. All right. It says that you, may be, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, without, exper- without experience, and that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God, May the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Isn't this awesome? That you would know personally. I'm telling you, this is why Jesus came. That we would know personally a new level of love, a new level of relationship that he came to give us. That we would know personally, not through somebody else. Not through the pastor, not through a spouse, not through a parent, not through a coworker, but that you would know for yourself personally how real 
the love of God is. When you understand how real the love of God is, the scripture says that perfect love drives out all fear. Perfect love drives out all insecurity. Perfect love drives out every storm. Come on, somebody. Perfect love drives out every failure. Perfect love drives out anything negative in your life. Come on, and you stand in this place where you start to be filled with the love of God. And you start feeling like all things are possible for me now because he loves me. Do you know that love today? That's why we base the vision of everything we do at this ministry, discovering God's unchanging love. Because in the Old Testament, you couldn't figure out if God's love changed or not. It was kind of a guessing game. But over here now, as a result of the birth of Jesus, it's not a guess anymore. God's love for us never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You cannot change how crazy God is about you. You cannot change it. I started to see this. I started to see, you know, before I, I, we were married, I think, it was before we had children. Um, I was in a business meeting one time, and just, this is one of these long, drawn-out meetings, and just one of these meetings, you just couldn't wait to come to an end, right? And so my brother was in this meeting, and his kids were being watched by a babysitter, all right? And so one of the ways we knew that the meeting would come to an end is the babysitter would show up and say, time to go. <laughs> I'd like, praise the Lord, meeting over, awesome. So, so the babysitter shows up, and, and the way they would show up is, is, is that there was a side door. So they would open this side door. The babysitter would do that. And while we were in this meeting, then my brother's kids would come charging into that conference room. They just would, like... Like, man, we belong here, man. We're just here to see our daddy. And they would run, all three of them, and jump on his lap. And so, man, and we're watching this exchange. This is amazing. They jump on Anton's lap, and they're just enjoying. And Anton's laughing, and he's just loving on him and hugging him. And you know what I'm thinking? Meeting is over. Yes. But in this particular instance, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, wow, this is awesome. And I had one of those moments. I had one of those moments. I'm sitting in that room, and I'm watching this. I hope you hear this today. I hope you hear this today. The Lord said to me, while we were sitting there, he said, that's the way I get. See the expression on your brother's face? See it? Look at the expression on his face. That's the way I get when you come into my presence. That's the way I get. That's the way I get. You know, and I don't care what, you've been through. I don't care what, what failure you, you, you think you have or, or what, what shortcoming you think or, or, or what, what, what bad behavior you think you have or what sin you are currently even involved in. That's the way I get when you come into my presence. Isn't that awesome? I got great news for you. I've got great, great news for you. The scripture promises you and me today that we get to go to the throne of grace when we start spending time with God. The throne of his unmerited favor. The throne where he doesn't hold things against you. Come on, are you with me? Listen, people that don't know him, they have to go to the throne of God. The throne of the judge. The throne of the word. The throne of God. Come on, long beard and, and kind of mean looking. That's who they know. You and I know different because of the birth of Jesus. We get to go to the throne of grace where we get to crawl up in daddy's lap. We get to know him and know that he's not holding anything against us. Know that he's for us and he's not against us despite our ugliness. Come on. How many have been ugly a time or two in your life? Come on. 
How many are thankful for that person in your life that receives you even though you're still ugly? I'm not talking about physically. We already dealt with the physical part earlier. <laughs> ugly personality, Amen. ugly attitude, ugly emotion. Are we glad for those people that just love us that way? That's one of the, I, you know, I just, I just got to say this. You know, I, just, I have to throw this out here. It's one of the keys, I think, to the marriage that I have, the success of the marriage that I have, because Jeannie has just learned how to deal with all my ugliness. Come on, somebody. All right, she's just been so graceful when I get off all the pressure and so tense, and it's amazing. It's really amazing. And, you know, that's who God is to us. When you discover for yourself, that's the reason why 1 John 4, 17 says this, that we know and believe in the love that God has for us. I think a lot of people know God loves me, but do they really believe it? Guys, if you want to experience peace, you want to experience the goodness of God, God being good to you, and understand this. I'm telling you, it starts here, knowing for yourself. All right, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Well, let me just do this real quick. When you begin to discover for yourself how much God loves you, you fill up a little bit more. Isn't that good? Then the second thing I've noticed is this, and it builds off of this one. When you really understand how much God loves you, and how much the word of God is real and the grace of God is real, then the next thing is you begin to understand that, listen, God's plan for your life is way better than the plans that we have for ourselves. Okay? I am a personal recipient of this, that God has a tremendous plan for our life. Look what Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says here. It says, Now unto him who, by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly, I love this, far above all rule, far above all that we dare ask or think, look at this, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. God wants you to dream again, you guys. You're the hero in this story here. Not Revolution Church. You're the hero in this story. God wants you to dream. He, I believe he's brought together the collection of believers here today to help us understand that whatever setback, whatever issue we've been through, God wants us to dream again because you're the hero in the story. Are you with me? So he says here, above our hopes or dreams, God's plan for our life is way better than the plans that we have for ourselves. And here's this last one I want to leave you with, all right? And I love this. It's Romans 8, 28. Let me read this to you. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Despite any setback that you've experienced, God is able to work his plan into our life. You know why? He's God. Aren't you guys glad he's God and we're not? The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. And I believe he knows the end from the beginning, and you and I are somehow stuck in the middle here someplace, right? And because he knows the end from the beginning, he knows how to work all those setbacks. He knows how to turn them around. He knows how to put them in the right position. He knows how to take all those things that we've been through. And so let me tell you something about a setback. Sometimes about a setback, 
It may look like things aren't developing or things aren't progressing in your life, but I promise you, I can look at my own life, there are things that God taught me in the setback. Come on. There are things that I learned in the failure. There are things that I learned in the lack of breakthrough. There are things that caused me to grow. How many can be honest and say you actually grew because you were in a hard place? Come on. And so I'm not saying that God causes those hard places to come, but I tell you that God will turn it around for our good. That's what the scripture says here. Despite whatever setback, despite whatever issue that you think you have or hurt or pain, God is able to turn us around. Listen, I was a wreck. I was a wreck on the campus of Western Michigan University. Just a wreck. My life was spinning out of control. Out of control. I was raised in a home, middle class home. I was raised in a home where people feared God, okay? They didn't know God like we're talking about here. But I was raised in a home where, where you know, God and Jesus should be centered in our life, okay? And it was weird how that all happened. One day I'll have to, I'll share the testimony of all that. But my life was spinning out of control on the campus of Western Michigan University. And I'm so grateful that I had people that believed in me. I had people that could tell my life was spinning out of control. And when I talk about God was still good to me, even before I knew he was good to me, I could tell, it's like, I, sometimes I just relive some of the, 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 the steps that I was taking there on the campus and I would retrace the things that I got involved in. And I've just walked through it on just, Mike, I cannot believe how the Lord protected me. I can't believe how the goodness of God was still operating in my life in the middle of my sin, in the middle of my wretchedness. Come on, I'm telling you. I remember being in a room, this massive party and, and just life spiraling out of, out of just a mess. And there was a special room off in the corner where all my friends started to go into. And I was like, hey, I'm going to go into that room too. And, and to this day, I don't know who did this, but somebody put a hand on me right here on my chest and, said, and I heard this voice, you're not going in that room. And I realized, I'm not going in that room. Come on. How many know you wouldn't go in that room either, right? And I found out later that that room was the cocaine room. That was the room where they were really doing the hard drugs. And that day, the goodness of God spared me. Come on, are you with me? I didn't deserve that hand. I didn't deserve to be prevented from going into that room, but God did it anyways. There's so many things in our life we don't deserve, but God does them anyway. Come on, do you believe this here today? He does them anyway. And if you believe today with me that God would do for me, that God would do for so many in this room, it is crazy for me to think how my life went from spinning out of control on the campus of Western Michigan University to I'm standing today preaching the word of God, happily married. Come on. Not only happily married, but really enjoy your marriage. Come on, I know I'm talking about there's a difference between the two. If you were to tell me that this would be my life today, I would say no. You know why? Because it says right here, he's big enough to work all of my setbacks, all of my failure, all of my misery, all of my sin into the plan that he has for me. And guess what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's big enough to do it for you too. Do you believe that in this place today? I believe that when you discover for yourself how much God loves you, when you 
when you allow him the understanding that his plans are better than your plans and you really trust that he's able to work every failure, every setback into our life, I believe this is the life that God has for us. I know that's really good right there. And I know a lot of you guys are thinking he filled it up way too tall. I know that. All of this begins. I'm going to address two people, two kinds of people in this room today. You're a believer in this room. And I just feel like for some of you, I may never get another chance to talk to you. stuff is real. This stuff's not make-believe. It's life-changing, actually, okay? And maybe you have lived your life skeptical, like this is for everybody else, and I'm telling you, it's not an accident you're here today. I'm telling you, God has a full life for you, life to the full, life to the max. (laughs) From my life spiraling out of control on the campus of Western Michigan, to where it is that if I were to tell you the twists, the turns, the adventures, almost getting arrested in Africa, spending the rest of my life in jail there, that's a story, I got to tell you, all right? All right? People you meet on the planes and sitting in, at tables with people that 24 years old, sitting with the most famous people in Christianity. What in the world? I just got to tell you some of these stories. I got to tell you that that would be the life that God had for me with going back to where my life was spinning out of control. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have believed it. And I know, I just sense some of you in this room, you don't believe that God has it for you too. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I just want you to understand how much God cares about you. And it's not an accident that you're here. And that today, that you leave here knowing that this is what God has for you. And the peace that passes all understanding and that God being good to you in every area of your life, living every day with the expectation of goodness happening, living every day with that all things are possible for me mindset, that's the life that God has for us. It's not weird. It's very real. It's very natural. I want to pray for you today if that's you. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Dino, I don't know Jesus like you know him, but like you're talking about, then this is for you too. Because this all starts recognizing that I need a Savior. Listen, we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior because of what Adam did, not because of what you and I do. We were all born into sin, whether we realize it or not. That's why this miraculous thing, this the birth of Jesus, him dying on a cross, all of that is because we all needed a Savior. And so, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray with you, please. Please don't look around. You say, Pastor Dino, that's me. I don't know Jesus the way you know him. And I want to. I want to come to that place where I can have that free relationship that you're talking about. That I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I close my eyes and breathe my last breath here on earth that I will be with God forever. That I'll be in heaven for eternity. That's the promise that it has for all of us that you here today, I want to invite you to make Christ your Savior. With every head bowed, no one looking around, please. 
If you're here today too, you say, Pastor, you know, that's me. I have been living my life half full. I've been seeing the promises of God half full. I really want to reconnect. I really want to go to that next place in my walk with God. If that's you here today, for any one of those two reasons, invitations, no one looking around, every eye closed, put your hand up nice and high so I can say, I want to come into agreement with you. No one's looking around, just me. It's just me. Anyone at all. All right. All right, let's pray this prayer. Let's pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe your word is true. I receive your promises today. Your peace and your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.